You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, February 23rd. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski gave her annual address to the Alaska legislature Wednesday morning with more advice for lawmakers than she usually provides. First, though, she's stuck with her usual script and listed a string of her highlights from the prior year. She said millions of dollars are coming to the state from the federal infrastructure law. She also mentioned nearly $750 million in Alaska-bound earmarks she requested that are in the yearly appropriations bill. And then she pivoted. It's a beautiful day in Juneau. And as sunny a day as it is, there's, there's also um, this next part of my speech, which is perhaps not so sunny. She cited a decade of out-migration and economic stagnation in Alaska. The state, she said, is recovering more slowly from COVID-19 than almost anywhere else. Murkowski challenged lawmakers to have a vision and reach for it. Alaska needs to be the place where people want to move to and want to stay because they have good jobs that support their families. They have a good place to live. They have good schools where their kids can excel. They have a quality of life that cannot be matched anywhere else. Where we take care of our fellow Alaskans when they, when they hit rough patches. Murkowski is 65 and has been in the U.S. Senate for 20 years. This was her first address to the legislature since becoming the senior member of the state's congressional delegation. Her more pointed remarks seemed aimed at lawmakers who are unwilling to solve the state's fiscal crisis, except by shrinking government services. She asked lawmakers to think big, particularly in the area of transportation. We need to be thinking big about how we move our people, our resources, our freight, our trash. Let's not lower our sights here. She told lawmakers they can't rely solely on federal money and need to step up with the state's share of the cost. Murkowski wrapped up her speech saying she hoped she hadn't stepped on any toes and said, quote, I didn't necessarily stay in my lane today, end quote. The U.S. Senate goes back into session next week after taking this week off for the President's Day holiday. Wrangell will be getting a summertime boost, but it's not just cruise passengers. The fish processing plant in the middle of downtown Wrangell, owned by Trident Seafoods, will reopen this year after having been shuttered the last three summers. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, Trident has changed its model and will focus on freezing fish. The royal blue buildings of Trident's Wrangell plant have been quiet and lacking that distinct fish processing plant aroma since before the pandemic. You know, we, we never really wanted to shut down in the first place. Trident area manager John Skoblik says that crumbling pink and chum salmon runs pushed the company to keep the plant closed, but projections are looking rosier this year, and Trident plans to reopen the Wrangell plant. And so it's exciting to get the Wrangell facility up and running again. And we're excited for our employees, our fishermen, our customers, and our uh, friendship with our community of Wrangell. Wrangell officials have commended the decision to reopen the plant. It'll mean a return of utility revenue to the borough from the electrical and water consumption of the plant, as well as a potential increase in shared state fish taxes. Plus, it'll mean a 5% increase to the island's population, more people eating, living, and working in town. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game projects a pink salmon harvest of between 12 and 29 million fish this year, probably around 19 million. That's a few million more than last year, but a lower projected harvest than the Gangbusters 2021 harvest of almost 50 million pinks.
Skoblik says that in addition to the better outlook for pink and chum salmon runs, Trident wants to respond to the market, and the market wants more frozen salmon. Reopening the Wrangell facility will allow the company to produce and store more. We'd like to have the capacity to be able to freeze more fish. It'll be frozen salmon of all species, but primarily pink and chums. Trident has had a presence in Wrangell since 2009, when it bought out the bankrupt Wrangell Seafoods Company. The seafood giant operates about a dozen other plants throughout Alaska. While the Wrangell plant was closed, Trident still bought fish in the area and tendered the catch to nearby plants in Petersburg and Ketchikan. During the early pandemic, Trident's empty bunkhouses were rented out as isolation sites by the city government, but were never used. The Alaska Crossings Wilderness Behavioral Therapy Program also housed out-of-town guides in Wrangell's Trident bunkhouses before that program shut down in early 2022. Skoblik says Trident hopes to get workers in to start the process of reopening plant by the end of the month. It's always a big job to get a plant up and running, but with it being uh, fallow for a few years, there's going to be some extra repair and maintenance and uh, some small capital improvement projects that we'll need to take on, some some roofs, some floors, um, little dock work, uh, little refrigeration work. He says he expects the maintenance work to last until the plant opens in the middle of July. The plan is to operate through August. That'll include fleet services that have been missing from the Trident docks since 2019. We're going to buy fish and dispense ice and we'll do some gear storage and other things we need to do to support the fleet to have a successful season. Skoblik says Trident is in the recruiting process for plant workers, but anticipates needing about 125 to 135 people to run the plant for one long shift. The reopening likely won't push the plant's full processing capacity, though, which Trident's website states is up to 750,000 pounds of fish per day. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. 20 pounds of methamphetamine were seized last week aboard an Alaska state ferry in what law enforcement is calling one of the largest drug butts in southeast Alaska in recent years. KRBD's Eric Stone reports from Ketchikan. It all started with a tip. Alaska State Trooper Sergeant Casey Hirschberger contacted the Southeast Alaska Cities Against Drugs Task Force to say he'd heard a shipment of meth would soon make its way towards Alaska, and it would be big, 10-plus pounds. Lieutenant Craig Campbell of the Juneau Police Department explains. Yeah, so we received some information um, from down south with some partnering law enforcement agencies that there may be a person traveling to Juneau on the Alaska Emory Highway system that was carrying a, a large quantity of methamphetamine. The meth would get a heck of a ride. It would sail through the inside passage on the crown jewel of the Alaska Marine Highway fleet, the ferry Columbia, from Bellingham to Juneau. But after a trip up the coast of British Columbia, the meth's journey was interrupted in Ketchikan. Acting on Hershberger's tip, a state trooper and a Ketchikan detective boarded the Columbia with a search warrant for stateroom 151A and its occupant, 43-year-old Oregon man Michael D. Davis. There, they found a blue duffel bag. Inside, says Ketchikan Police Lieutenant Andy Berenson, were 18 packages of meth wrapped in tortillas. <laughs> that is correct. That was a new one. So it looked like big old overstuffed burritos. 
The packages totaled roughly 20 pounds. That's upwards of a million dollars worth of meth. Officers arrested Davis and took him to Ketchikan Correctional Center, where he's facing a felony drug charge that carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. Information on bail was not immediately available. While Davis's journey ended in Ketchikan's jail, the blue duffel bag continued north on the Columbia, along with what investigators describe in court documents as a representative sample of the seized drugs. But now the bag's traveling companion was Jack Ford, a Ketchikan police department detective. Again, Juno Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell. Throughout that investigation, we were able to determine that the end goal for that methamphetamine was it was supposed to go to uh, a person in Juneau who was supposed to pick it up at the ferry. When the Columbia docked in Juneau's Auk Bay, Detective Ford walked off the ferry with the blue duffel and a phone seized from Davis. According to court documents, investigators believed the meth was coming from Miles Martin, an Oregon resident and the son of 59-year-old Juneau woman Nanette Brown. So Detective Ford texted Brown to let her know he'd arrived. Soon afterwards, a silver Nissan pickup pulled up. The driver told the undercover detective to put the bag in the truck, and the two went their separate ways. Shortly after, police stopped and arrested the driver, who they identify as Nanette Brown's husband, 60-year-old Rodney Brown. Then, officers' attention turned to the Browns' Vista Drive apartment in Douglas. They watched as Nanette Brown went to a neighbor's apartment carrying a multicolored bag. Police say it contained two ammo boxes, one with nearly $70,000 in cash, the other with more than half a pound of meth and roughly 150 pills thought to contain fentanyl. Police arrested Nanette Brown and searched her home. According to court documents, they found nine guns and another cache of meth. The Browns are facing two felony drug charges and a felony weapons charge. All told, the bust was among the largest in recent memory. Campbell, the Juno police lieutenant, says it's the biggest he's overseen in the three years he's been in charge of the department's drug unit. He says he expects it'll make a dent in the supply of meth in Juneau. I think that's going to be a huge impact. I mean, we don't see that quantity come into southeast Alaska. I think it's very rare, rare. Um, so in any time we you know, make an arrest where the lot or good amount of quantity is. We hear about it, and we, you know, from people from the community who we have uh, partnered with and have contacts with. Beardson, the Ketchikan lieutenant, says he expects the 20-pound bus to reduce the supply of meth in smaller communities throughout southeast Alaska. And he says that's the goal of the regional task force. Though drug trafficking is sometimes thought of as a victimless crime, Beardson says that misses the bigger picture. When people get on these types of drugs, they aren't the people they used to be. They do things. Uh, out of desperation, uh, they do things because they need to get the drugs, and so that just trickles into all other <clears throat> areas of crime. Berenson says in recent years, it's also become somewhat rare to see bus aboard state ferries. Many recent buses have been tied to air travel or the U.S. mail. Berenson chalks it up to a couple of factors. You know, the, the sailings haven't been as frequent in, in recent years, and, um, you know, drug Drug dealers essentially like uh, a couple things, one speed and two reliability. All three defendants have pleaded not guilty. They're due for court hearings in the coming weeks. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Taking a look at the community calendar. Sitka Maritime Heritage Society holds its annual meeting at 7 p.m. today at the A&B Founders Hall. A panel of fish buyers and scow operators will share stories of spending summers buying fish at remote locations around southeast Alaska. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Mm-hmm.